What is the meaning of life? That's an answer we all search for, but not all of us find. And no one tells you exactly how to live this life. So you decide to work hard and do everything you're supposed to do. Graduate school, you get a job, start a family, buy a house, do your taxes. But you still searched for meaning in this life. Maybe you poured it all into your family. Maybe you gave it all to your career. But is that the meaning of life? Or is there more? Because for all of us, this life doesn't last forever. Do you know what will happen when your life ends? Whatever you think about Jesus, his impact on our world has affected all of our lives. The real question is, will he impact your eternity? I want to encourage you guys just to stick with us through this talk today because I want to try and give you a real shot today to really understand exactly who Jesus is and what this love he has for you and allow you to make a real decision about him today. I'm excited. I hope you'll stick with us. Well, welcome everyone. Hey, if I have not got the chance to meet you yet, my name is Zach. I'm the youth pastor here at Adventure. And whether you're watching this as part of our Adventure family or you're watching this from wherever you're at online, um, I just want to say welcome. We're so excited that you are hanging out with us here today. Um, and you're probably watching this on your screen right now uh, because this whole hoopla is still going on. Um, this lockdown is still happening. I cannot wait for this to be over and to be hanging out with you guys again. Um, but maybe you're like me and kind of this whole thing has honestly kind of has some of its pros and cons. I mean, obviously, it's a huge bummer um, with this whole thing happening because we're missing out on a lot of life right now, a lot of fun experiences and everything, and so that's a bummer. But honestly, it's had some pros, right? I know for me personally, um, I actually have really been enjoying my extra time I've got to spend with my wife, Angelina, and our two babies. Um, I'm going to put a picture of it up right here. This is Angelina, my beautiful wife, and uh, we have two twin babies, Levi and Aaliyah. So if you're ever feeling stressed out and you just need some, like, you know, baby baby pictures to, to help you with your stress. Follow my wife on Facebook and you'll get all the baby spam you could ever have asked for um, because aren't they just like the cutest babies ever? Yes, that's at least what I think so. Um, but I don't know. Hey, if you're watching this right now, whether you're watching on Facebook or Instagram or, or wherever, live, YouTube, um, hey, in the comment section right now, um, maybe just throw in there what you've been doing with your extra time. Like um, even if you're still working every day, I'm assuming you have some extra time on the weekends. Have you like picked up any new hobbies? Um, have you built anything recently? Like what have, what have you done? Just let us know. Um, let's have some fun right now. I know for me, it's not that exciting. I've been doing like some more push-ups and, uh, you know, pull-ups. Hasn't really shown yet, but we'll see how long this lockdown goes and maybe see if I get results. I've been reading a little bit more. That's kind of cool, but I don't know. Have some fun. Let us know what you've been doing recently. Um, but anyways, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time today. Because like I said earlier, I really want to give you guys a real shot today to really understand exactly who Jesus is so that you can make a decision about him today. And if you're someone who follows Jesus, I want to show us today what, it, what, what the love of Jesus, where the love of Jesus actually leads us, especially in a time like what we're going through right now. Because what's crazy when it comes to Jesus Jesus says some pretty intense things. I mean, Jesus, um, what separates Jesus, honestly, from every other human being that has ever existed in the, since the beginning of humans was the fact that Jesus, for one, he, he predicted his own death and resurrection. And on top of that, his early followers, plus people who weren't even his followers, claimed to have actually seen him resurrected again, claimed to have actually seen a man who was literally put to death 
alive again. And you know, that, that is so fascinating. And I want you just to humor me for a second. Even if you, even if you totally don't believe in this, just, just humor me and just, and just do this right now. Um, just take a moment and just think about this for a second. If you knew, without like a shadow of a doubt, like 100% knew that Jesus actually did resurrect from the dead, would that change anything for you? Would that change anything about your life? Maybe your answer is yes. Maybe your answer is no. But I'm actually not going to spend too much time trying to prove that to you today. Yes, of course, the resurrection is important. Yes, I don't think you could be a follower of Jesus and not believe in the resurrection. But, um, you know, if, if that's something that's a real stumbling block for you, if you feel like that is something that's keeping you separated from Jesus, um, if you're watching this live, you can try and pause it or just come back to this video right here in this place and pause the video. Because right here on the screen right now, I'm just going to list some sources for you to, to look more into that. Not just, not just sources that from the Bible that say Jesus actually resurrected. All these sources that say things from outside of what the Bible said, giving you all the evidence you could ever need that this event actually happened. But like I said earlier, I, I'm not going to try and prove that to you today. Because I think for most people, evidence is actually not the issue. Because like I just said, the evidence is there. If you're willing to look for it, if you're willing to find it, if you're willing to not just be lazy and know to ask the right people and knowing where to look, all the evidence you could ever need to actually believe this event actually happened is there for you. But I believe honestly right now, if Jesus just like, poof, just appeared in your room right now with you guys and your family and he's like, what's up, I'm here. And you're like, oh my gosh. And you actually got to like touch his, the holes in his hand and you actually got to see and believe that he actually is a real person alive again. The real step is, do you choose to love him? I think there's many people who could actually see and believe, but still not choose to love him. And I don't know if maybe today you just need to be reminded of this, or maybe you've never actually been told about how incredibly much God loves you. You know, what I find so fascinating is that um, man, there are, there are tons of studies um, on effects of individuals who have grown up in fatherless homes. We know that, that kids who grow up without um, fathers, it can have an effect on the quality of their life. In fact, um, President George W. Bush, when he was in office, he addressed this issue by saying this. He said, over the past four decades, fatherlessness has emerged as one of our greatest social problems. We know that children who grew up with absent fathers can suffer lasting damage. They're more likely to end up in poverty or drop out of school, become addicted to drugs, have a child out of wedlock, or end up in prison. Of course, he says fatherless is not the only cause of these things, but our nation must recognize it as an important factor. I mean, for a child to grow up neglected of love at home from either parent, we all know can have a lasting impact on the quality of their life. But what I find so fascinating is that we were not created for just earthly parents. We were created to be connected and loved by our Heavenly Father. I mean, what if in your life, the thing that you've actually been missing on, the thing that you've been searching for is actually just a real connection to the love of your Heavenly Father? I want to show us today that this is the love that Jesus is offering us today. You know, one of the greatest passages in the Bible that I think demonstrates this love that Jesus has for us comes from John chapter 13. I mean, right up front in 13 verse 1, check out what it says here. It says, Having loved his own 
who were in the world, he being Jesus, now showed them the full extent. Not part of it, not, not, not almost all of it. The full extent of his love. The full extent. So what I want to show us today um, is how Jesus actually loved Judas and really what that means for us. And even if you never read the Bible or even if you never come to church, I'm just going to take a safe assumption that you probably know who Judas is. Um, Judas was one of Jesus' 12 guys. He was one of Jesus' boys. He's one of the guys that Jesus personally picked to be one of his disciples. He personally picked Judas to be um, one of the guys he wanted to do ministry with. And he's one of the guys he picked to be one of his best friends. And as we're going to read here in a minute, Judas was the one who deeply um, betrayed and hurt Jesus. And you know, before we jump into this story, um, I want us to do something right now because I think it's really going to help us really understand Jesus in the story. It's really going to help us kind of put us in the shoes of Jesus and really kind of know exactly what Jesus was feeling as he continued to love Judas. So right now, um, I want you to do something. I want you to think of someone who you feel like has maybe betrayed you. And I understand for some of you that's going to be really hard because I understand that's a lot of negative emotions towards that person, where that person you thought was your friend, you found out they weren't your friend, where there was someone you thought, um, thought just backstabbed you, betrayed you, hurt you, someone you thought wronged you. I want you to think of that person, and I want you to just to feel those emotions just, just for a moment, just to feel it just for a second. So I think that's going to so help us understand exactly what Jesus was going through as Judas continued to betray him. You know, in my life, uh, I can't think of like a whole lot of people, but one person comes to my mind the most when I think of like, who is my, like, my life nemesis? Um, I know this is going online right now, and I know a lot of people might see this, but I know I got to be really careful uh, about how I say things here and about who I say, but um, if you're one of my longtime students right now, I'm going to let you guess. You probably know exactly who I'm talking about right now. So um, all I got to say is this was um, a kid. I became best friends with him in like fifth or sixth grade until one day he got in a fight with my younger brother. And I don't know, he just thought he was like the undertaker from WWE because he like double fist choked my brother. Like, oh. um, so right off that, we, we weren't cool from that, obviously. But the real thing that crossed the line between me and this guy was I'm pretty sure he stole my Yu-Gi-Oh card set. Okay, that crossed the line for me. I can maybe forgive you for um, choking my brother, but you steal my Yu-Gi-Oh card set? We, we were never cool after that. And uh, I don't know if you're watching this right now, if somehow this video finds you. We, I grew up a little bit. It's cool. It's good now. But um, yeah, man, I, we, we kinda, I always kind of had some animosity towards him um, most of my life. But anyways, let's jump into this story. Let's read this because I don't know who that person maybe is um, for you. So here's where the story starts off. Um, chapter 13 begins with Jesus hanging out with his 12 guys. And these are some of Jesus' final moments before he's put to death. And no one else knows this, knows this except for Jesus. Jesus knows my final hours are approaching. So I just imagine, like imagine if you knew your final hours were coming, you would be so intentional about the things you said, about the way you acted. And so that was what was happening here with Jesus. And they're all together for this special moment, this intimate moment, to share a meal uh, to celebrate the Feast of Passover. So here's how the chapter begins. In chapter 13, um, the first five verses. Now before the Feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, and that he would depart of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from his supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Um, This is the part of the passage where Jesus goes on to wash the disciples' feet. And uh, what's so fascinating about this is the whole time as Jesus is serving his, his disciples, he knows exactly what is in Judas's heart, yet he still continues to serve him. And it was actually a common practice to do back then to wash feet. Um, but it was, long story short, it was something someone who was respected would never, ever do something like this. So understandably, when, when Jesus got to Peter to wash Peter's feet, Peter's like, whoa, 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 Jesus, you're like way too holy. I can't allow you to do this for me. And check out what uh, Jesus says here in verse 8. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then do not wash only my feet, but also my hands and my head. He switched up real quick when Jesus said that. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not all of you. You know, I just want to point this out right here in this part of this passage. There's a lot of us who are watching this right now. There's a lot of us who are seeing this, who are followers of Jesus, who are saved, who are clean, as Jesus just said. But are we allowing Jesus to continue to wash our feet? Because I think it's common um, that we still mess up, that sin still finds its way into our lives. And what we learn here is that Jesus doesn't run from us when we as Christians get our feet a little bit dirty with sin. But do we find ourselves being like Peter? When we mess up and sin finds its way into our lives, do we allow that sin to be the thing that separates us from Jesus? I think it's easy for that to happen. You know, my kids are, um, they're getting pretty close to crawling right now. They're, They're wiggling around. You know, my son Levi's scooting around in his crib right now. So I know crawling is coming up real soon. Um, this is our first babies. We have twins. If you're running out of stuff to pray for, pray for my wife and I. But I know crawling is coming up soon, which means I also know that walking is, is, is not that far behind it. And like never in a million years would I ever imagine myself when my kids finally do start to, like, start to learn to walk and maybe I see one of them fall like trying to learn like once or twice, would I yell at my wife and be like, honey, we got another broken kid. He fell once trying to walk. Let's get rid of him. Let's have another one. I hope that sounds crazy to you right now because that would be totally crazy, right? If they fall as a loving parent, I'm going to look at them and be like, you know, and help. I'm going to be there to pick them up when they fall. When, when he takes a wrong step or he doesn't know how to do it, I want to be there to help him, to teach him. I'm going to be patient as I can with them, teaching them the blessing of walking. Look, what I want to say here is don't let your sin hide you from Jesus. Jesus washes the feet of sinners. Amen for that. I know for me in my life, I've learned sometimes that the love of Jesus actually made known most to me in my sin. So the story then actually moves to the guys now sitting around um, for supper. This is kind of what is known as the last meal, the last supper. And if you're taking notes, you can write this in that um, what's so crazy is from the beginning, don't forget, from the beginning of all of this, Jesus knew exactly what was in Judas's heart, but he never rejected it. Check out what it says here. 
Starting in verse 21, it says, When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another, lost, knowing which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. He, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered and said, That is the one for whom I shall dip this morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped the morsel, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. The morsel, um, after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Now, what, now, no one of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he had said this to him. For some were supposing that Judas had the money box and Jesus was saying to him, hey, go and buy the things that we need for the feast or else we should have something to give to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately. It was night. I mean, do you guys realize how much you have to love someone? to continue to love them and to continue to serve them, knowing the evil intentions they have for you in their heart. I mean, Jesus continued to love Judas and to serve Judas. He even continued to wash Judas' feet. And time after time, he gave Judas chance after chance after chance to come clean and to repent. You know, it said Jesus would become troubled in his spirit and he would look at the group. And he would say, one of you is, is not clean. And he would say, one of you guys is going to betray me. Now to imagine as he's saying these things, knowing exactly what is in Judas's heart, Judas himself knowing exactly what is in his heart, I'd imagine him looking directly in Judas's eyes as if to say, my old friend, my love is still here for you. Even when they sat around the dinner table to eat, Jesus placed Judas on his left side, which was the seat of honor amongst all the other disciples. And even for Jesus to take the morsel, which is known as the bread, and to dip it into the juice, and to offer it to Judas was so significant for this reason. Scholar Dr. Hughes says this, says in that culture of that time, to take the morsel from the table and to dip it in the common dish and offer it to someone else was a gesture of special friendship. It was as if Jesus was saying, Judas, here is my friendship. Here is my heart. Here is my love. Take it, friend. But we know Judas... Uh, he took the bread, but he didn't take the love of Jesus. In fact, it says he walked away from Jesus. And the eeriest part of the whole entire chapter to me, it says he walked away and it was night. Judas walked away from Jesus in that moment to forever walk away into darkness. And what's crazy is right after that happened, right after Judas just betrays Jesus, right after that, Jesus also tells Peter, who's also one of his good friends, that, hey, you are also going to deny me three times, which we read later that Peter does, in fact, also deny Jesus. Both Judas and Peter essentially reject Jesus. They reject the love of Jesus. But the difference between them is Judas never actually sought reconciliation. He walked away from Jesus, and in fact, he even took his own life. Peter had a chance to talk with Jesus again. He had a chance to repent, to come clean, to talk with Jesus and say, you know what, I still love you, Jesus. And Jesus forgave him and he washed him and he gave him the, his spirit to place into Peter. And we know Peter went on to accomplish just some amazing, amazing, amazing things. 
What I'm trying to say here, you guys, is the love of Jesus is so vast and God will never stop pursuing you until it is your last day. You know, I want to read us a quote right now from this book um, called uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And if you've heard me speak, you've heard me read this before because the reason I want to read it to you guys, I think it just so beautifully explains to us what the power of the gospel is. The gospel being the good news, this this good news that Jesus brought into the world, that even though we were all Judases, even though we were all sinners, there is an immense love that Jesus is offering that he gives to us if we're willing to accept it and to repent and to love Jesus back. Um, If you want to take a moment, just kind of close your eyes. um, Take a moment to just, you know, not talk to anyone next to you right now and really just kind of envision this right now as I read this. It says, because salvation is by grace through faith. I believe that among countless number of people standing in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb, dressed in white robes and holding palms in the, psalms in their hand, I shall see the prostitute from Kit Kat Ranch in Carson City, Nevada, who tearfully told me she could find no other employment to support her two-year-old son. I shall see the woman who had an abortion and is haunted by guilt and remorse and did the best she could faced with grueling alternatives. The businessman who was besieged with debt, who sold his integrity in a series of desperate transactions, the insecure clergyman who addicted to being liked, who never actually challenged people from the pulpit and longed for unconditional love. The sexually abused teen who was abused by his father and is now selling his body on the street as he falls asleep, whispers the name of the unknown God he learned about in Sunday school. The deathbed convert who for decades had his cake and ate it, broke every law of man and wallowed in lust. But how, we ask? Then the voice says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. There they are, there we are, the multitude who so wanted to be faithful, who at times got defeated, soiled by life, and bested by trials, wearing the bloodied garments of life's tribulations, but through it all clung to faith. My friends, if that is not good news to you, you have never understood the gospel of grace. I mean, I am standing here, you guys, as, a, as someone who has personally been changed by the love of God in my life. You know, like all of us, uh, I mean, I have invested and in beaten down by life's trials and, and tribulations before. And like all of us, when we feel like we get broken by life, when life just gets too heavy, two things happen to all of us. One, we can run far away as we can from God and try to handle it on our own. Or we can find situations that break us and use as an opportunity to cling to God and to grow closer to God in a way we could have never before. And for me in my life, when, when life just felt too hard, it broke me and I ran far as away as I could from God. And what that looked like is, man, my life just got overtaken by drugs, by drug abuse, by alcohol, by addictions, by problems. And it wasn't until my life was just completely in shambles that God, who had patiently been waiting on me through it all, wait for me at the right time to reach out his hand and to say, Zach, Here is my friendship. Here is my love. Here is my heart. Take it, friend. I'm here to tell you guys today, this is the love that Jesus is offering you. And if you've never made that decision 
or maybe you need to recommit to make that decision to accept this love of Jesus in your life, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right here in a minute. But I have to close and I have to just say this before I end right now. You know, this, this, this whole coronavirus pandemic, you know, hoopla that we're all going through right now, I actually think this is a huge wake-up call for a lot of us. You know, when your life is being tested, when you find your faith being tested right now, how have you been responding to this? Where are you drawing your security from? Where are you drawing your peace from? Because it's real easy right now. This is a very easy time to allow all the anxiety and the stress and the panic and the worry that the enemy is trying to place on you to take you over. And you can look around at everything and start to become very filled and living by fear. Or you can see this as an opportunity to step into the good of what God is doing right now. I mean, do you realize that maybe for the first time your family is being brought together like never before? Do you realize that right now your weekends aren't filled with sports practice and, and games and hooplas and busyness and you actually get a chance to maybe spend some real quality time together with your family? I mean, do you realize that you have some extra downtime? Even if you are still working every day, I'm sure weekends are a little slower for you. At some point, you're having a little more time at home to maybe spend that time with God, for you to look around at your life and to, for you to maybe start to analyze what is really important to you because this life doesn't last forever. And what gets me so excited right now is, you know, the amazing opportunity we as followers of Jesus are all given right now. You know, for the first time, at least that I can think of in my life, the gospel message is being forced to step outside of church walls. The whole world is finding community online right now. The gospel message of this love of Jesus has never had a greater opportunity to reach the world than it does right now. How are you responding to this? Is it all about me, 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 me right now? Or have you stepped into this and knowing, hey, this needs to be a time about we? I want to end and I'm going to read you this. This is, how Jesus, this is what Jesus says to his um, disciples after he just finished washing their feet. It says, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so, so am I. I then, your Lord and the teacher, washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. Are you going to miss out on what God is doing right now? Are you going to step into what God is trying to do? Let's love others like Jesus loves us. This is not a season about me. This is a season about we. And I know we're watching this online right now, which you're probably watching on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you're watching. Um, I want us to do something right now to close this message. I want us to help each other in this. I want us to know what kind of ideas do we have that we can make this a season about we. Maybe in the comment section, put, some, put an idea you have about how we can be loving for each other. Maybe for you, it's putting um, just some devotionals online, knowing that your friends are going to see that. Maybe it's um, knowing that your neighbor needs toilet paper and reaching out to them. Maybe someone needs some food and you can help them. Maybe it's just um, calling someone that you know you haven't talked to in a while and just saying, hey, how can I pray for you? Knowing this is an opportunity to do that. Whatever it is, help us. Let's just put that in the comment section. What are some ways that we can be about we right now? And like I said, if you're watching this right now and, um, man, you, 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 you've noticed that sin has kind of kept you far away from Jesus, like, like what Peter said, no, no, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. Or if you've never actually accepted this offering of love that Jesus is offering you, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. And here's what that decision means. Here's what you are going to make a decision for. 
you know, you have to understand none of us are going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. But to accept the love of Jesus means that you choose to love him. That means that you don't, you're not perfect, but you repent. You turn away from a lifestyle of sin and you say, you know what? I'm going to turn away from everything that's going to keep me far away from you, Jesus. And I'm going to do everything I can to love you with everything I can and to follow you with everything I have. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. That's the decision you are going to make right here, right now. Don't walk away like Judas did and maybe forever walk away into darkness. Accept this love that Jesus has for you. So if you guys will, wherever you're at right now, whenever you're watching this, I don't know if you're seeing this five years later, I don't know, wherever you're at, I ask that you just pause right now to close your eyes and I want to ask that you guys pray with me. If you're ready to make that decision for the first time, whether you want to repeat these words out loud or whether you want to just pray this in your heart, um, I ask that you repeat these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. Jesus, I accept your love for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I just thank you so much for anyone who made that prayer. God, you are involved in their life. This is their moment. You are the one speaking. And to all of us who are watching this video, no matter who we are, where we are, whether we believe in you or not, Lord, I pray you press it upon our hearts to remember that this season of life we're going through, may it, though it may not last forever, this is a chance for us to be about we. Lord, we have to come together in this. We can't stop being in community. We can't stop loving each other. So I pray you give you help give us ideas of how we can be better loving towards each other right now. Lord, you've washed us. You've given us this love, Lord. Continue to lead us to know how we can offer this love back to each other. I thank you so much for this opportunity to speak this message, God. I know this is from you and I love you so much. And we um, just pray that you'd be with all of us right now, keeping us healthy and keeping our families healthy. And Lord, um, you bring this to an end soon so we can be back here together again like you designed church to be. And we say this in your name, Jesus. Amen.